Imagine having the life of your dreams. Not temporary cash and glory, but happiness and inner peace. Explore new ways to be a creator and take your own journey into greatness. Is it possible? What does it take to make that happen? It takes the person known for extreme results. He's called the cage breaker and the ultimate catalyst. Coming back from the brink of death and now crushing it for himself and his clients, this is your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger. Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Ultimate Life, the podcast committed to helping you achieve a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy by serving with your divine gifts. I'm grateful to have Alana as a guest today. Welcome to the show, Alana. Laura. Yes, thank you. I'm happy to be here. I am so embarrassed. I thought that was an N and it's not. Al Say it again. Alara. Alara. Alara, welcome to the show. And excuse my mess, because when you have a name like Kellen Flukiger, you pay attention to that. And I screwed it up anyway. Alara, welcome to the show. It happens. Thank you so much for having me. You are absolutely welcome. And I'm delighted to have you here. I love that color of your background. So we were chatting a little bit before I started recording. And I asked a question that I want to repeat, because I like to have people realize this show is about serving with your gifts and you're doing that. So what, tell everybody exactly or a description of the things that you're doing to add good to the world. Absolutely. So yeah, one of the things I'm doing is helping women to embody their, their femme power, their woman, their radiance, you know, to heal sexual trauma, to heal just the shame and the the energies that a lot of women and our ancestors as women have have carried. I am also doing in-person events, helping people to learn how to really be in their body, how to use their breath, how to use their voice, how to move their body to bring their awareness into the present moment and really feel the now, feel the aliveness and the joy in the now. Um, I also did mention that I have just started writing a book that brings in what I call the four keys to our embodied genius. And um, yeah, I'm planning some in-person events and things that'll really be very ceremonial and sacred of honoring this process of being human. I love that. And it was, it's clear from your movement and excitement that your own description of that involves this movement and feeling in the body. Talk about this absenteeism that we have from the now. You know, you talked about being in the present and it was very visceral for you. Mm. And, and I, that's fabulous. And I want to talk about why it's important and how did we become so flipping disconnected from where we are? Yes. What a wonderful question. I feel like I could just talk about this for ages. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we really... We carry so much trauma and pain and shame in our body. This is something that I experienced. I didn't even know I was doing. You know, we don't we don't necessarily like, oh yeah, I'm carrying this backpack of of shame and guilt around in my life. We don't realize that. But our nervous systems are very shut down and they're running at a very um many people are running at a fight or flight. I was actually beyond that. I was in a numb state where my nervous system was actually very, very shut down. And so I, I didn't even really feel 
my emotions. I didn't really feel my body. And this, you know, I've learned is the vast majority of humanity. We don't feel our bodies because there is so much discomfort there. You know, I used to work with horses and they're really similar like this. Horses are extremely stoic animals and they know that if they show pain, you know, they they could be attacked by a predator. So they learn to block out areas of their body that hold pain. And this is what we do as humans. And so this is emotional pain. This is physical pain. This is mental pain. These are all the things that we've experienced in our life that really hurt us, that really hit us. And those are all stored in our body. It's even, you know, generational. We pass things down generationally into our DNA and into our genetics. And so when we don't know how to work with our bodies and we don't know how to work with our emotions, we don't know how to feel, right? Because how many people can you say are like, wow, they can hold the space of anger. They can hold the space of joy. They can hold the space of deep sadness and grief. No, most people can't hold emotion, right? We think of it as like, oh, I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be upset. I don't want to be anything. Like we're, we're trying to be something other than what we truly are in this moment. And all of our wisdom of our body is here now, but also so is that pain and trauma. So what we do is we tend to to block out the body, block out our emotions and our our past, and we come up very much into the mind. And, you know, our minds are beautiful, beautiful things. I love our minds. However, when it's not connected to our body, it's kind of like this wild runaway monster that (laughs) takes us into all these spaces of this could happen. What if this happens? This might happen. And into these potential futures that don't even exist yet. And they pull us up and out into all of these moments. And it also takes us back into the past of memory. And we circulate through and through and through in the mind rather than really breathing into the body and breathing into this beautiful moment of the now where guess what? Everything exists. And all of our intuition, all of our wisdom is here in the body. You know, everybody wants to, what action should I take? What should I do? Which which one should I choose? All of those answers are here in the body, in the now. I just love that. And there were five or six things, and I'm not going to remember all of them, that I wanted to follow up in that little piece of conversation. And that's just fabulous. So the first thing I thought of is what is wrong or out of order or broken in our current framework that we we have a world where what you're saying is true, that we are afraid to have, to embody or to feel or to hold space for different emotions where we want to get rid of it and not feel that and push it out or down or whatever, it's not right, or you're not supposed to this, that, and the other. Like, what in the world is going on that we have built our world, our experience, so that that is true? Ah, another really great question. This is what I experience with my clients when I first connect to them. You know, without even setting an intention, we're always taken back to those very first years, right, of our life. And if we think about terrible twos, right? That's literally a label that we have given young children who are starting to like, 
wow, this is me in a human body and expressing. And they get emotional and they're feeling all these feels. And oftentimes they're feeling the emotions that their parents are feeling, that their parents aren't allowing themselves to feel. The children are feeling and expressing. And we call it the terrible twos and we shut it down and we stop it and we don't allow it and we don't hold space and we don't teach them how to work through it. I was definitely not taught. It was like, go to your room and do it there or stop or shut up or knock it off. Don't act like that. That's not okay. So right away, right in that first initial space where we're starting to really learn how to express everything that we're feeling because we're feeling so much at that age. Nope. That's not okay. So we start with that suppression then because because presumably because the parents don't know how to express their feelings. And so we just continue this cycle and, and then we live cerebrally disconnected. So we have this mind sitting on top of a body. There's a big disconnect at the neck, metaphorically. And so we, we, we live on top of it and are moved about by this functional but perhaps inconvenient thing that feels all this other stuff. So when someone comes to you, you just, you know, you said that, remind you of clients, I come to you, I come to you, and I am clearly broken at the neck and don't have the ability to connect with and certainly don't appreciate or let much less value the feelings I have. What do you do with me to start with? I realize I'm hug you. I'm, I'm going sure to hug avatar, you. But, okay. Go, I'm going to hug you. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I just, I, I love the whole broken at the neck thing. Yeah. I mean, the first thing is, is, you know, one of the powerful things that I'm bringing forth in my book of the four keys is, is the power of our breath. You know, the beauty of our breath is, you know what, it's always there right? Like whether you're thinking about it or not, you're breathing until you're not longer breathing and then you're no longer in a physical there. body, right? Exactly. So it's always there. But what we have learned is to breathe up into our chest and breathe very shallow. And this is, you know, this is science, the understanding of when we start to breathe into our diaphragm, we start to engage our parasympathetic nervous system. And we start to pull ourselves out of this fight or flight and this addiction to adrenaline, which is the rat race that we all speak about and into this availability to rest and digest and feel and be and experience. So I always first start with teaching my clients to breathe properly. And, you know, first it's a little bit uncomfortable, but once you start to do it, you start to really, wow, that feels so good. And that really starts to connect yourself down into your body and it brings you consciously into your body. And now you are all of a sudden working consciously with awareness to your body. So already you're there. When you, when you talk about that, I notice, I notice something, and that is the way you describe this is very visceral. It's like you're, you're chewing these words, and it makes me think of the way that you work with people, this connection. And as you speak the words, it's like you want to make sure that they <laughs> they connect with my whole self all the way down to my left little toe so that I can understand them and don't rush through them. And so I have a sense that there's a piece of uh, understanding that this process isn't subject to the hurry up and finished universe that we have. It is a deliberate, 
lowering of the temperature, lowering of the rat race feeling. So I want you to talk more about that because that's what I'm experiencing as, as we talk. Oh, I feel like you nailed it right on the head because I always say, work with it like you put a piece of chocolate in your mouth and you're just rolling it around in your mouth and you're savoring it. You know, you're not just chomping on it and swallowing it. You're experiencing the fullness of flavor and the velvet texture on your tongue. So I love how you said chomping because that, that really, I feel that. And, you know, I've called it spiritual Kung Fu. It's very much like the matrix, right? The understanding that when we really come into our bodies and we start to engage this parasympathetic nervous system and we start to really reprogram our nervous system into this energy of calm, what happens is, for one, our power, our true power that comes through our body energetically, it's called Shakti, it's creative life force energy, it's known as chi and prana, there's all these different names that are given it, it can actually move through us. It can actually flow because we're relaxed and open. So we're not this kinked hose now, we're this open hose. And now the energy can move through us, which is very, very powerful. And there's a little bit, like I said, the matrix of when we're really in this space, time slows down. We all know time is very, very much illusionary. You know, you can be doing one thing and time flies by. You'll be doing something else and time seems to just never move, right? And when we come into this presence energy, we actually create more time for ourselves. We create more spaciousness. We become very intentional with every single action that we are making, which is extremely powerful. Because you can imagine if we are, you know, doing a million things at once, we're splattering paint all over the canvas of our reality, right? Whereas if we're taking our paintbrush, creating this spaciousness for what do we really desire to paint? right now. And then we apply our intention, our will onto that paintbrush. Now we are creating our reality. Oh, I just got totally orgasmic with that. <laughs> so I love, I love your description of it. And I want you to explore with me. So if a person learns to get, to, to slow down, to breathe, to use the breath, to move the Shakti, the Chi, the energy through the body, because it's always, could always be flowing, but often, like you said, we have this constriction. Tell me why, because I, I believe you, I hear that, and someone that is like looking for some concrete thing, why should I do that? What difference does it make for my my bottom line or my schedule or my, concrete realities that are in my face today. So tie that together a little mm. bit for me. Mm. It's being versus doing, and it's the power of actually experiencing a fulfilled, grateful, bountiful life versus the always seeking, always chasing. And I personally experienced this very, very much. You know, there was always this sense when I started opening my business and I've had several businesses, you know, that like, I got to just, I got to do more. I got to work harder. I got to do more. 
And no matter what I did, it as soon as I accomplished it, it, it was like it wasn't enough. It was like on to the next thing, you know, and you're just consuming and consuming. And there's oftentimes this real sense of dissatisfaction or lack of fulfillment, just lack of joy in the entire process, not just the getting to, right? Because we can have those adrenaline hits where we're like, oh, I achieved that party and then everything drops, right? Because all of a sudden you're not in that achievement energy anymore. So the difference between being in, in a space of intentional living and embodiment is that you become radically fulfilled in the process of every single thing you do. It is no longer this thing that you have to get to, no longer this thing that you have to achieve. It's the beauty of, of living. And for me, that is so radically different in the insatiability of life versus feeling full and content. So that's a fabulous description. I love that. Because that insatiable need to have more of anything, sometimes it doesn't even matter what it is. It isn't just that do grind and then you've described it as the fulfillment, enjoying, experiencing the fulfillment that comes from just being there and being present and not trying constantly to substitute because it really is and it's a crappy substitute mm -hmm. having more of anything, but just the, the, the fulfillment of being in the moment of whatever you're doing. So you didn't, you didn't get here to this place where you describe this sense and what you try to help clients do. You didn't get there accidentally. There's always a story. There's always a, an awakening, a process. I always say you didn't fall up this mountain. So talk about what happened, what brought you to where you are. Where did you start? What happened? And how did you get here? Yes. So I was living a life that, you know, I was married to a very good man. We had a beautiful house. We had young children. We were making good money. Everything appeared from the external. Everybody in my, in my life thought everything was perfect. You know, him and I didn't argue. We had a good relationship. We respected each other. And I had that feeling of unfulfilled. I actually had, I was non-orgasmic sexually. I had a feeling of really just not enjoying anything. Even the things that I enjoyed seemed lackluster in, in my life. And I was really, I was aware of it, but I wasn't quite sure what to do. And I started my spiritual journey. And at the time I was working on horses. And one day I got in my car and I was driving to go work on the horses. And I heard from my higher self, Om, three times. Oming wasn't something that I did regularly, but I knew what it was. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah, totally. Om, and I did nice three full breaths all, all the way to the end. And on the end of the third one, an energy shot from my pelvis all the way through my body, out my crown, and I went into full body orgasm and I had never had a full body orgasm. I was driving my car. Luckily, I was in a space that was like a 25, 30 mile an hour road. So I was able to pull my car off the road and give myself the space of like, oh, my God. Wow. Whoa. Oh, that feels so good. And it lasted several minutes. 
I didn't, I mean, I knew it was highly orgasmic. I had no idea what was happening to me. Um, and the rest of the day was, I was on cloud nine. I was extremely blissed out. I was driving down the freeway after that, just music blaring, dancing in my car, just feeling life, feeling so lit and joyous. And what had happened was I had had a spontaneous Kundalini awakening where the Kundalini Shakti released out of my pelvis, went through my body and out my crown. I didn't know what Kundalini Shakti was at the time. So the next six months for me was very all over the place. I One minute was sad. The next minute I was ecstatic. The next minute I was raging. All of the emotions that I had stuffed down, not wanting not knowing how to experience came roaring out of me. I would be on the ground just crying my eyes out, not even knowing why, but feeling this deep pain leaving my body. And I even checked in like, am I going crazy? And my higher self just said, no, just keep breathing through the process. Again, I had no idea what was happening to me. After about five months, this book, came into my life called Kundalini Awakening. And the first chapter was about spontaneous Kundalini Awakening. At that point, the emotions had started to already harmonize and it started to kind of reach an equilibrium. And, you know, what I realized was, wow, you know, what, uh, what was possible, what was available, what I was capable of feeling and experiencing and where I was at. And it wasn't like after that, it was just like, yay, I'm now fully orgasmic all the time. It was still a process, but I knew and understood that I needed to face some things in myself. I needed to face some things that I hadn't faced knowing that there was all this availability of euphoria, of bliss to me. And so I started further deeper into my spiritual practice and absolutely have now moved into a space that is deeply orgasmic, non-sexually, just in life, deeply blissful, deeply fulfilling, as previously mentioned. So when that happens and you as an individual, you know, experience some change in a positive direction that releases energy, that releases creativity, that releases bliss and love and service and all of those higher energies, what happens in the world around you? What do you do differently? Because you were feeling several things. One, there were things you needed to face you hadn't faced. Uh, there was a release of emotion that you had stuffed or ignored for some long period of time. And then that will affect all the situations, business, energy, desires, goals, Everything around you, it can't not. So what happens then? <laughs> Again, such a wonderful question. Yeah, I got a divorce. <laughs> um, I tried, you know, to face what I was in, but there wasn't availability. Um, and I just had a very strong message that I needed to really go on my own and really allow this full awakening to happen through myself and to really drop all of my previous identity. So yeah, I, you know, I got a divorce. I, you know, moved out, sold the house. My, my life absolutely, you know, flipped upside down. 
um, in a in a very positive way um, and and challenging way. But you know, the whole time I I just really felt very strongly within me this knowingness of what was possible. And I, and I knew that I could get back to those energies that I had felt. So I was willing, I was really, really willing to take it on. You talked a little bit ago about uh, a book that is at the beginning stages, but well outlined in your mind about, I think you said four keys to different pieces of energy. And I don't want to try to characterize it because I don't know enough. So why don't you tell me what you start from that place. You've now taken on this journey to, to discover um, a better and more fulsome expression of yourself. Uh, and you've described it as, you know, womanness and creativity and lots of those beautiful and expansive words. Talk a little bit about the principles that you've tied that to and the framework that you have to share with, with others. Yes. So, you know, absolutely it is about our bodies and it is about our nervous system and really being able to heal our nervous system and bring our nervous systems to a regulated space where our nervous systems are now working naturally from a rest and digest. And we are capable of, of handling stress in a more aligned and grounded space. So, when I started working with clients with this, there started to be this repetitive structure. And that's where I came up with the the four keys. They just were really brought to me and they continued to repeat for all of my clients. And so those four keys, the first one, as I mentioned, is the breath. It's such a powerful tool that we can constantly just throughout our day, whenever we're doing anything, we can connect to and we can use it to reestablish our relationship with our nervous system and with our body. The second one is connection. And, you know, we can speak about this in a lot of different ways of like feeling grounded, connecting to nature, connecting to our bodies. You know, we teach us a lot in meditation and feeling grounded into the moment. So there are lots of different ways that I teach my clients to connect into their bodies, into their being, and into the planet, essentially. The third one is voice. You know, our voice is so incredibly powerful to us personally. Your voice means everything to your mind. When your mind hears your voice speak, it is listening very intentionally and intently. And so I teach my clients how to use their voice. First off, how to notice how they use their voice, right? Because oftentimes we are speaking about ourselves and about our lives in ways that when you really look at it, it's not really nurturing and self-supportive. It's quite the opposite. And then learning how to start to restructure that and start to speak powerfully and from a space of recognition of the self and honoring of the self and then taking it even further further and really activating the power of the voice to bring to abracadabra to speak things into existence our voices are so incredibly a part of our manifestation power and ability and the fourth one is movement 
There is the energy that desires and is always working to move through our bodies. So when we understand this, you know, it's like Tai Chi and it's like um, Qigong. When we learn how to move with our bodies, we learn how to help the energy move through us. And this is one of the ways that we work with our own innate energy. It's also another way that we really connect to our body and what our bodies are desiring for us to do in the moment. So those are the four keys that are really easy to use and utilize and bring into life that really pull you into your body and connect you to your wisdom. When you said, I I love that sequence, and it seems like they kind of go in order. I mean, working on your breath allows you to connect better and then be aware of and use your voice and movement. So voice and movement both strike me as far beyond, like someone thinks voice, and you think of the you know the physical characteristics of making sound, but I, I sense that you mean the whole piece of expression that you do as a being, not just the sounds that come out of your mouth, but the voice that you have energetically in the world. Is that true? Absolutely. It's beautiful that you connected to that because that's one of like kind of the deeper layers of it. Because I start first with the actual verbal expression of the voice. But yes, it is your voice in the world, right? Your expression, how you bring yourself forward into the physical reality. Yeah. And I was thinking the same thing of movement. Movement at the first layer is the movement of the body. And I love that you, you know, brought in Qigong. I was a did a silent meditation retreat with a client of mine that has a off the grid sort of facility in Tasmania of all places. And it was a silent meditation thing. And one of the things we did was a very long, uh, I can't remember the name, but walking into and out of a circle in these Qigong movements, it's like an hour to get in and an hour to get out. Right. The whole thing, it was like two hours just to walk about 30 feet. Uh, if you unwound the whole thing. And so it reminded me of that. Uh, and so I expect movement is the whole movement of the essence and energy that you are through the world, not just the movement of the body. Yes, 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 yes. Because again, when we talk about the rat race, right? And this like doing from this very stressed and this space of like needing to satiate there's this, it, it's like a hungry, angry animal, you know, that is, is it's seeking and ravaging. It's not really moving fluidly and gracefully. So when we learn about these practices, we learn how to coincide, you know, there is power of the moon, there is power of the planets, there is power of co-creation, both with ourselves, our partners, our family, our companies, our businesses, all of it is working together in divine orchestration. And so absolutely, when we are embodied, we are able to move with the flow of water with the flow of creation rather than directly against it, wondering why we're always tired and exhausted. I love that. So I want you to tell uh, people are going to be really interested in finding out more about you. So I'd like you to, I know that's not ready yet, but the name of the book, also where to find you or to follow you so that people can learn more and connect and do all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. I don't have the name of the book yet, but it will be coming and everybody can reach me at alarasage.com is my website, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn is all Alara Sage. And I always invite people to reach out if they feel a resonance, if they feel drawn to. I just love connecting with people no matter what context 
that is. Alara, I thank you for your um, the movement. I mean, all, all four of those pieces. You know, we talked a little bit about voice and movement, but the breath, the expansion is far more than just moving air in and out of the lungs, and the connection is not just with the parasympathetic nervous system, but the grounding to the universe and the earth and everything else. And so it all has those multiple layers. I, I really want to thank you for your presence today. I want to ask you one final question, and that is, since we all live in this uptight, wadded up, kinked, hose, squeezed in world, what would you leave as your admonition or invitation to anyone that's heard us here today? Mm, try to be silly and playful in life, whatever that looks like for you. Just bring in play in the moment to unwind that kink. Unwind the kink. Good. Well, Alara, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much. This was a really beautiful conversation. I, listeners, my friends, I want you to listen to this because those four keys, the breath, as, as we were doing it, I was sitting here breathing in the diaphragm, and I'm a vocalist, so I understand what she was talking about. But it just, it viscerally changes you in the connection you can feel, whether you're sitting, standing, laying the energy flowing through all the chakras and your, your movement and all, of, all the pieces that she said are right. And I can tell you for sure that if you, if you play, if you listen, and if you try to do those things that she talked about and follow her and find out more, you will move forward to create your ultimate life. Open your heart in this time around. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you take it deeply into your heart and decide for yourself how you can create anything you desire. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback and topic suggestions. Until tomorrow, this is Your Ultimate Life with host Kellen Flukiger. Stand with your heart in the